Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. We want to discover what makes creative people tick. Join us as we explore what it means to be a writer, and more importantly, what it means to be a person. Remember why you love music, and welcome to Pitch List. Hey everybody, this is Chris Lindsay, and you're listening to Pitch List. Our episode today is from Charleston, South Carolina. We went down to the Charleston Songwriter Festival and recorded our first ever live edition of Pitch List. Our guests were Cliff Cody, Andy Alpert, Amy Mayo, myself, and Dana uh, hosted the show. We had a fantastic time. We had a great crowd. I hope you enjoy this live edition of Pitch List. Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? Woo! Woo! Thank you guys for coming out today. Um, so my name is Dana Rogers. I'm the producer of the songwriting podcast, Pitch List. So just a little bit about the show in case you guys don't know. So we're currently in our second season. Over the course of the past year and a half, we've not only featured some incredible songwriters, artists, and music business professionals, just to name a few, Lori McKenna, Liz Rose, Barry Dean, Hunter Hayes, so many more. Um, but we've also created a tight-knit community of songwriters and music lovers. I'm honored to be here today with the host of our show, Chris Lindsay. Woo, yes. And, oh, um, thank you. And his wife, Amy Mayo. Woo. Come on up here. Yeah, come on up. Come on, Amy. Um, they are both brilliant songwriters. Just a few cuts they have under their belts between the two of them. Every time I hear that song, this one's for the girls. Let's make love. The list goes on and on. So, without any further ado, let's get the show on the road. Please welcome Chris Lindsay and Amy Mayo. Hey, hey thank you. We really appreciate y'all coming out. It's uh, early morning if you've been out partying here in uh, Charleston, which I'm sure some of us have. Thank y'all for getting up and coming down here. Um, so what we're doing today, we're, we've got our little recorder over here. We do a podcast. Uh, every We like every two weeks to come out with a new episode. You can find the podcast on any format that you look for podcasts. It's called Pitch List. And... Uh, we were going to come down and play here at uh, the festival. Arliss invited Amy and I both down, and we thought it'd be great to do a episode here. So that's what we're doing. Um, typically, we have one episode per uh, one artist per episode. This time, we're going to do two or three. It's going to be really great. Yeah, and this is our first recorded episode live. Yeah, we've never so, done that. Yeah, so you guys are in for a treat today. Yeah. Um, and I know Chris, you usually interview our guests, but I thought. Today, we would start off, uh, I could ask you and Amy a couple of questions so uh, the audience could get to know you guys. Okay. okay. So, Chris and Amy, you're f so you, Chris, I know, your first cut ever, right? Your first cut was Amazed by Lone Star, is that right? First single. First single, okay. Yeah, I'd had a few cuts before, but okay. yeah, first okay. single. So, I mean, obviously we know nothing is really an overnight success. You know, there's usually a lot of years of hard work. Uh, behind those, but talk a little bit about having your career start off with such an incredibly big song. Well, I think it spoiled us, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah, um, it was, uh, and I think it was also, um, if I'm honest about it, it was a little bit of a whirlwind, and I don't think either one of us, and Marv Green, our co-writer, 
uh, could take it all in. Because, you know, songs like that get really big, and there's a lot of attention, and there's a lot of... Uh, but it was absolutely fantastic. And, right. uh, uh, but I do think um, it was a little bit overwhelming as far as uh, not really understanding what was happening. But uh, we did go on to write some other things that, that worked also, and... Uh, I'll never forget it. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And Amy, Amy, had you had cuts before that or was that also you were kind of thrown into it? Um, I had had, let's see, that was my fourth single. I had my first single went to number three and then my second single, it was Places I've Never Been by Mark Wills. And then my second single and my third single is Sarah Evans title of her record, um, Three Chords and the Truth. And then what? There was another one, but they didn't work. And my family kept saying, "When are they coming out?" And it's like they already been out and gone. They they didn't work. They're not gonna be on the radio. You know, like so. Mm-hmm. Then Amaze was a whole different story. Mm-hmm. It was like because it that that song just kind of took on a life of its own. You know, right. it just kind of I don't know. I, you you can't describe what gets in. I think it had this energy because we were falling in love. And our co-writer Marv was falling in love, mm-hmm. and I think it—the energy got in the song because I can still feel it. You know, this—it's been probably 18, 19. It's been a wow. long time ago. Wow. Yeah, that's so sweet. So, I mean, you know, you just said you guys were falling in love at that point. So, what's it like? You know, I know there's not many husband and wife songwriting teams. So, what's it like writing together? For probably together? good reason, For, I think. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but uh, give us a little insight. What's it like writing together? And working together. Well, if you we got a house full of kids, so trying to compartmentalize the <laughs> family sure. and then writing songs because we'll get in a big fight and then have to go write. <laughs> and we maybe you'll get a good song out of that though. Yeah, we did. Poison and Wine, the one my favorite song he's he's written. Um, we got in a huge fight before he left the house that day, and it. <laughs> It came out in the song. Yeah, it did. I wrote with the Civil Wars that song, Poison and Wine. Uh-huh. And when I got to the appointment, I was still furious at her. <laughs> and I remembered there are lines, there are four or five lines in that song that she yelled Screamed at, me at you in the driveway. Oh my God. So I think it's been great being married. And I think one other thing for us, we were co writing partners for three or four, maybe four or five years before we were ever a couple. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't even know so that. So we were good friends yeah. and had written and worked okay. together and had success together Built before up a rapport. we were a couple. And right. I think for that reason, we can to this day still work together. I think a lot of people think it would be difficult to work with their spouse right. if, if after they were married. For sure. We had that relationship before, and we kind of knew how to do it. Right. I wouldn't say it got easier, you know. Mm-hmm. But because um, life does get in the way and it's very easy to not write when you, like Amy says, as you got a house full of kids and Definitely. you got other life problems. And uh, mm-hmm. so the way we combat that is we try to bring a third person in. Right. That helps us stay on track. Every and now and then, though, we'll get in a fight. We've been real good the last like probably seven years. Ever to not since fight. we got in therapy, it's gotten better. <laughs> But the one, the funniest fight we got in this, well, now we have a code word. If we're fighting popsicle, then <laughs> that means shut up and go outside. And um, During the so, chorus. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But the one, the funniest one was Rodney Atkins. Um, is it Atkins or Atkins? 
you do you know do y'all know Rodney Aikens 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 okay well we got we were riding with him one day and we got in a fight and I thought Chris went back in there we were at BMG and Chris thought I went back in there and we just left him sitting there and um I didn't neither one of us even knew it for like eight or nine months and then at the BMI awards he came up and he's like Amo you just left me in there and I was like oh my god Chris we didn't I I thought you went He's back like, in you guys there. You me up. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So, okay. So what advice do you guys have for co-writers, even just friends that work together like all the time? Because I mean, like tensions can arise. Like you guys have differing opinions in a song, one in a co-write. So what advice do you have for people who work together like all the time? I think um, for me, I would say. Because it can be a positive and yeah, negative thing. I would say you have to treat it. It is a relationship, and you have to treat it like a relationship. So mm -hmm. if you have a co-writer you work with a lot, and you're mm -hmm. going to have some issues, well, I think you should just acknowledge that you're going to have issues. Right. Like you would with a loved one. I right. mean, so if you fight, fight, and then get it out, and you'd have to learn the same skills you would with a spouse. Exactly, I mean, yeah. You know, and, and acknowledge that it's going to happen. Don't, don't think that it's not going to happen. And don't make a big deal out of it. People right. get pissed off. Do a little screaming. Everybody calms down. Go back to work. And write a good song out of it. Yeah, yeah, you, you could. <laughs> I think, though, if you're writing with somebody, like, that's a newer situation or, like, that, you know, we're married, so it's a different kind of deal. Different dynamic. Yeah, but, like, the people that I write best with, I can be honest with. They're, they're people that I could say, you know, I don't know that this is good enough. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know, like, that this is going to pay off. And they don't get... You, the ego, my ego and their ego, they're not involved. You sure. know, the more you can get your ego out of it, the better the song will be. And, um, like, that's the thing. The people that you can just, you never know who you're going to write great with. It could be somebody who's the total opposite of you. For you sure. know, and you could be best friends with somebody and not write good together at all. I've, yeah, I've had that happen too. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Awesome. Well, that's great advice. So, uh, we're going to call up our first guest for this episode today yes um so he is a west texas native and touring country artist give it up you guys for cliff cody cliff Woo! also like i uh, do want to we are going to play some music today too so just letting you all know that is that okay with you man sounds great yeah all right i was reading your bio so and I'm not surprised. You were a bouncer, is that right? At I, some point in your yeah, career, I, that's how I got started. I was, uh, yeah, I was a bouncer in a West West Texas honky tonk. What what town? Odessa. It is nothing going on there. It's like it's if you ever saw like an old John Wayne movie, it mm -hmm. looks like that. Yep. It smells like someone just passed gas because of all the oil, <laughs> natural gas out there, and uh, the only high school football. High school football. It's big out there. Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Yeah. And I played football for that team. Did you yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. And it's a big deal. It's out there. It's like the deal, right? It's the only deal. It'd be hard for people to really imagine how big high school football is. Yeah. And per, it's Permian Basin, right? Yes. Permian yeah, Basin. that whole area. Well, our town was about 80,000 people, and I think our stadium was like 20,000 people. So For a high school football team. For a high team. school football team, yeah. yeah. Um, so did you play in the bar that you uh, were bouncing? I did, well, I started out as a bouncer. Right. And then um, I, they had karaoke night uh, once a week. And I was trying to impress this little mean redheaded waitress. Yep. <laughs> and uh, she, a lot of careers start that way. She dared me to get up and sing, and I was like, "All right, yeah, I'll get up and sing." And uh, so I got up there, and um, 
sang, and there happened to be a band there that night that was looking for a new lead singer. And they, they asked me if I wanted the gig, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's, that sounds a lot better than getting punched in the face yeah, every night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There'd be some rough customers out there oh, in those yeah. bars. Dang, yeah, man. Those, those all those oil field workers, oil rough field roughnecks, man. Ooh. They are. Wow. So you started playing a band. Started playing. How a did band. you end up in Nashville? Did you? Uh, Literally the next day, I went out and the guitar player went, went out there and picked out a guitar at the local music shop, and uh, he taught me a few chords just so I wouldn't look stupid up there in front of the band. I, you know, I did a lot of uh, not playing. <laughs> it turned me down in the yeah. mix, uh, but I got to where I could look what I was, you know, looked like I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, but it just it took hold. Uh, so my grandfather played guitar. I went over to his house. He showed me some more chords, and within about two weeks, I'd written my first song, and. Uh, the band didn't last much longer than that, but six months later, I was bit by the bug, and I uh, moved to Na- made the move to Nashville. Wow. So you made the move. Made the move, I think yeah. a lot of, that's a big question, I think, for a lot of people that listen to our podcast, uh, writers that are starting out or have been writing, maybe not, you know, for years, uh, that live in other cities. And I think a lot, of, there's a lot of thinking about that. Do I make the move? Don't I make the mm-hmm. move? I think that's a, a big and I'm always hesitant to give advice because it's such a huge thing in someone's life. But I mean, in, inside, I'm always thinking, well, make the move. You gotta. Do, I mean, if you want to do it, it's there. Yeah. You can, it's. I don't. I can't. I've never heard of anybody yeah. making it as a songwriter, whatever that is, um, yeah. by not going. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of. You must be present to you win. Know, yeah. If you, if you, someone told me back in the day, if you, if you want to sell boats, you got to go to the where the water is. Right. <laughs> you know, right. That's and good. also uh, another thing I will say is. Uh, if you move away to Nashville, you, you can always move back. Your hometown will still be there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, like, it's not like you leave and you don't get to come back. Yeah, and if I wouldn't have made that move first to go there, especially as a young songwriter and learning from, you know, I found some songwriters that were, uh, that had, had some success and they were willing to teach me. And uh, if I hadn't made that move, uh, it, especially at that early age, uh, I I probably wouldn't be doing this for a living now. Yeah. I because it, there's so much knowledge there. Yes. There's so much technique and uh, wisdom and just, you know, the fundamentals of it, just yes. practical stuff that you learn, that you can learn really at, at any level there. It's known, and it, that, that's the reason. Um, Amy, you got a question? You want, or you want me to keep? How long were you in Nashville, like, before you got, or what was your first big break? How did it start happening? Well, it's, uh, mine is unconventional, because I was in Nashville for about four or five years, and um, I thought I was a lot better than I was, looking back at it now. I mean, I, <laughs> I yeah. think everybody yeah. does. Thanks, uh, yes. Thank goodness, because I probably would have never made the move anyway, <laughs> but uh, I um, actually met my wife, Amy, at the Bluebird Cafe. We met at the that- Bluebird, we were, we met at the Bluebird, and we... Like, we got married one year after y'all. Chris was reading about no it this way. morning. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think that's, like, the most romantic place, like, to me at the it, Bluebird. It really is. And that was the best thing that came from that first time in Nashville, actually, was meeting her. And uh, so, uh, yeah, we met at the Bluebird. I played a song that I'd just written, and and uh, she said, she came up to me afterwards, and she goes, man, that song you wrote about your dad dying in Vietnam, I'm so sorry. I, it, I go, well... You know, I just make this stuff up. Right? <laughs> my, my dad's fine. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, 
Uh, she goes, oh. She goes, well, your song made me cry. And I said, well, I tell you what, you have a drink with me. I promise I'm never going to make you cry oh again. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which I thought was a good line. That's a and good line. Did it, good. did it work? It did not work. She, was oh. like, she goes, uh, she was like, no thanks. But uh, she, she's like, good song, though. And she walked away. And I was like, oh, man. And then I saw her a few weeks later at the Harlan Howard birthday bash yep. that they used to have. On I Music remember Row. those. And then so we started up a friendship, and I didn't hit on her, you know, as blatantly that night. But <laughs> uh, but um, we eventually, uh, you know, fell in love. And then uh, her job took us away. So I was like, her job took her up to Rochester, New York, and I was like, okay, I'm, I have nothing going on. I don't I don't want to lose this girl. So I made the move up there. Oh wow! And I ended up. Um, well, I had one of those meetings, speaking of Har with Harlan Howard, I, I got a publishing meeting with him, and I uh, was one of those people, he was famous for telling them, like, uh, what you need is a good divorce, and which meant you need to I go out there. I heard this story, so he told you that. Yes. That's a uh, famous story. Yeah. And uh, he told a lot of guys, like, and oh, it, that was just okay. like his way of telling them that you need to go out there and live life, because your songs right. are not real enough. Yeah. So, and that's what I did. I, we moved to Rochester, New York. I went back to school, became a nurse. I didn't write a single song for like three wow. years. Wow. And then, um, then we had a family. We got did married. you keep playing and stuff, though? I kept playing in the living room, you know, at like home. Like on guitar? At just home. But it, I, it, it was one of those things that was kind of painful to do. Because yeah. I felt, yeah. I'd, felt I'd given up, and I just, that guitar would sit in the corner, and, uh, and, it sat there for a while, but every so often, late at night, I'd pick it up and just, just strum along. And, and then uh, then we started going, we moved to Ohio, where my wife's from, and then it was now driving distance. I could make it down to Nashville in five hours. So uh, my wife signed me up for an NSAI song camp. <laughs> I don't know if you remember those. Yeah, they, are they still I've do? heard they're really good. Yeah. They still and, do them. Uh, yeah. And believe it or not, that's when I really learned how to write a song. I was like... I was just spinning my wheels that first trip in Nashville when I was living there. And I really learned the fundamentals. I found out what I was doing wrong. And, and that's how I got my, uh, I kept going to those. Every few months they would have them. And then one of the ones they had, you got to play a song in front of a publisher. And, um, and I, that's how I got my first staff oh, writing wow. deal with uh, uh, Tom, Big Tom Luteran was there. Oh, it was a Big Tom that you yeah. played in front of? He, he played. AM, was he at EMI that He point? was at the EMI, and yeah. he, he signed me to a staff writing deal. Do yeah. you think that leaving it, like coming there and then leaving it made you want it more? It made me want it more, and it made me appreciate it more. Yeah. I realized how much I didn't appreciate living in Nashville and being around that. I got... I would say I got lazy. I got complacent. I didn't go out all the time, you know, to go play shows. So it um, might not have been. I mean, it, it sounds like it really worked out like it was supposed to. That's weird how life is like that. It took leaving for me to be able to come back and be yeah. successful at it. Yeah. You just talk in song titles. Yeah, you are. And I was like, I, put, I just put that in my yeah. little file right I've there. Got, like, it the took good, leaving yeah. to all come right, back. All right, I'm going like, to stop this interview right now. Wait a minute. <laughs> Damn. You got another one I'll tell yeah. you after this thing. <laughs> you, you might be a songwriter if yeah. your brain went bing. Yeah. Um, so, so, yes. Well, let, let's talk about now. I want to, so, because we talked about this before we started here. Yes. And I think it's a great thing. You're one of these guys who's out there touring mm -hmm. nonstop, right? Nonstop, yeah. Putting your music out on streaming platforms, 
Yes. And you're, you're in 100% control of your career this way. We're talking versus the old paradigm, the old models. And uh, how's that going for you? Or is it working? It seems like it's going great. It's, it's going great. Uh, I was able to quit my nursing job five years ago and been able to do this full time. Right. Uh, and I do, like I said, I do like, I'm doing like 220 dates this year. That's amazing. Um, That's a lot. But um, I have a new album coming out that I, I wrote, self-produced, uh, actually didn't record it in Nashville, found a little studio in Ohio that I love the sound of, and just did it kind of my way. And uh, it just got picked up by uh, the, orchard, or the Orchard, yep. uh, Sony Red. So I'll be yep. releasing like a first single on that June 21st. What's that, gonna, what's that called? Uh, the... the the name of the album is called A Mess Like Me. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first single called? Uh, the first single actually is one that I didn't write. It's, and it's kind of, I'm kind of conflicted about it. Okay. Uh, but I've known about the song forever. It's called On a Boat Somewhere. Because um, with me being able to do, be my own artist, uh, I'm able to like, you know, I've known about that song forever. Yeah. And I always thought it was a great song. I was like, you know what? I'm the artist and I'm in control. If I want to sing a great song, I'm going to do it. And uh Listen, man, let's stop right there because this is a big issue for songwriters and yeah. for the community as a whole. I don't, this is just one guy. I know there's a credibility issue amongst newer artists like yourself who, who that's like, I heard it in your voice. I don't know that the fans care who wrote the song. I don't think song. they know. I mean, if they're <laughs> yeah. into it, they might find out and they yeah. would then find out about that person. Yeah. But in the sense of he didn't write it, I don't want to hear him do it. I don't know that that really exists, but in our minds. I, th I, th I, th yeah. I think you made the right decision because you, you're going to get a song that brings more people to you and, and, and helps your career and drives your sales. Yeah. And if it's a great song, there's, there's no downside to that. And I think there's a thing going on that's not good. This whole, oh, I've got to write every song on my record. Yeah. I mean, if you do, great, but... But you know what? Yeah, all help me, the, Amy. Rescue all me. All the longest careers in music cut outside songs. George oh. Strait, Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney, yeah, Dirk Bentley, all, I mean, yeah. all, Jason Aldean, they all do. And it, I think it makes your record stronger because one writer can only has so many tricks and melody, exactly. especially melody. Yeah. You know, you're, you go the same places. Well, that's why a lot of times, like a lot of uh, guys that write their own stuff, and it just will not cut anything else. Their first album is amazing because they've had yes. their entire life right. to write yes, that that's album. that's right. And then they've had like 10 months to write the second one. And, and it's usually on the road. It's usually the stuff that didn't make the first album and stuff they've rushed out. So it's, that's why it kind of drops off. But, I mean, I think the as being an artist, it takes an artist to like take a song and then make it their own. Yes. And then that's, yeah. so that's what I'm, uh, I've, I've transitioned into just into being a songwriter, into being an artist. And, and as long as you have plenty of your material on this record, that's going to make that record yours. Yes. From and, a from a organic, you know, level, it's going to make it yours. And then, you know, adding an outside song or two that maybe is more commercial, that appeals to a, a, a wider variety of people, that just brings fans to you. It's it's like a tool, and not using the best tool, I don't understand that. Yeah, that's actually why I, I, I'm not going to let the fact that I didn't write a song get in the way of recording it, a great song. Yeah, because song. look, man, yeah. you go out and play a bar. And there's 1,200 people, right? And you play this song, and they go crazy for it. You're, there's nobody in that in that in that auditorium is going to go. Did you write that? Because we're going <laughs> to stop clapping. Hey, one other thing that's interesting about this. Somebody told me this the other day, and I'd never thought about it. 
Okay, so when we started, people were buying music, like, you know, on CDs or whatever. Yeah. And they listed the writers. Yeah. Well, nowadays, nobody knows who wrote anything. It's not like they're they going to go read the album you got to go look that up. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's so true. It's nobody not on the streaming knows who wrote anything. Yeah. So they don't even know. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. I'll hear a song I love on the radio and go look it up. But I don't think most people would take the time. Yeah. They just love the song. Yeah. Uh, strongest song wins. Yes. You're, you're gonna, your music's going to get better. I mean, it's going to be... It's, uh, I, like I said, I, I did it that way, and I, I'm I'm so super proud of this album. I, uh, well, I'll tell you what, will you? Can you play one for us? I would love to play one. <laughs> I think it's I think we'd want to hear one. So this song right here, uh, I can't imagine anyone else even recording this song. To be honest with you, because it's uh, and most of the ones that I I wrote, especially for this album, are so personal to to me. Uh, you know, uh, used to be I was. You know, when I was a staff writer, I was chasing the rabbit. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize that, wait a minute, I can be the rabbit. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, so, uh, so that's what this one is. This one is like, uh, I say a lot of my songs are like 10% truth, 90% BS, but this one is like 90% true. Uh, that's talking my about, kind. talking about, uh, I got the title track, the title of my album from this song. I uh, grew up in West Texas. Uh, Nothing to do in West Texas other than play high school football and uh, get in trouble. And I was all state at both of those things. <laughs> was, uh, so when I was 16 years old, I, uh, uh, me and my stepdad got into a fist fight in our front yard. I ran away to Dallas, Texas for two weeks. And he reported my truck stolen. So I was riding around Dallas, Texas for two weeks in a stolen truck, technically. So, uh, you know, it's, 20-something years later, inspired this song, and I, uh, it's called uh, Guardian Angel. From the night I broke my daddy's nose, ran off with his truck. On a two-week binge in Dallas Ran out of money, out of luck That pistol in his glove box Kept calling my name When you're young, broken, desperate You do bad anything I bet my guardian angel his bloodshot eyes and dirty wings A beat up, busted halo Chasing after a mess like me Marino down without her I'll be dead or I'd be in jail God bless my guardian angel Lord knows I put her through hell That old devil, he'll sure take you out But he won't drive you home He'll just leave you there Hands on the wheel, blacked out and all alone When the sun cuts through your windshield And you wake up alive You can close your eyes, go back to sleep Or 
finally see the light. I bid my guardian angel his bloodshot eyes and dirty wings, a beat up, busted halo, chasing after a mess like me. There ain't no doubt without her, I'll be dead or I'd be in jail. God bless my guardian angel, Lord knows I put her through hell. I put her through hell. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Never too late to turn it all around. I bet my guardian angel his bloodshot eyes and dirty wings, a beat up, busted halo, chasing after a mess like me. My guardian angel, Lord knows. God bless my guardian angel, Lord knows. I put her through hell. I put her through hell. That was Cliff Cody. That was amazing, man. That was, yeah, man. That was killer. Thank that you so was much. great. You remind me of uh, you got that big voice, man. That's <laughs> yeah, like Hank Jr. Didn't it remind you of Hank Jr.? A little Just bit, like, yeah. Just like bam. Oh wow, thank you. Love man. it. Love it. Thanks. Yeah. So much. Hey, thanks. We're gonna move on. Um, thank you so much for doing this, man. I love this, that man. song. Amy, love that the song. Thank you so very much. Thank you. You so can very tell much. when a song is real, man. Yeah, you can. You, you really can. Feel can. It when it's real. Thank you for being on the show, man. You're welcome. Ha thanks for having me. Okay. Give it up for Cliff Cody Woo! again, yeah! you guys. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that was awesome. That yeah, voice. Yeah, starting it out right. <laughs> so uh, we're going to call up our next guest right now. He's the coordinator behind this whole festival and also an accomplished songwriter. Please welcome Arliss Albritton. <laughs> Arliss. How well, are you, how, I'm doing good. How are you guys? Great. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. You know, we were talking while we were waiting for an Uber. That's and right. I thought we should just pick it up right there because for it. you started out. So you were in Nashville and you went to work for fame. I did. Rick, as a tape Rick, copy guy. Yeah, right. Amy's old boyfriend. Her, his <laughs> dad. You worked for oh, him. Oh, Mark Hall? Yeah, Mark Hall. Oh. Yeah. That's right. He's I a nice guy. I love Mark. He is. He's, He's a good awesome. guy. He is a sweet guy. He's a good guy. Um, so you started out tape copy. I did. And uh, how long did you do that? Two years before they fired me. Wow. Yeah. Well, they were volatile bunch. <laughs> <laughs> we'll no, they were that. sweet. I kind of like, we, I, yeah. I started writing songs. You know, I moved to town to be a writer. Right, so right. the best experience I ever had was being hired as the tape t copy guy at Fame Publishing and, and meeting Rick Hall and all the, and Chris Lacey and Dan Hodges, amazing people. But what I did is, 
I took like Walt Aldridge and Mark Narmore and uh, Stephen Dale Jones, and I went back in their catalog when they first got signed, and I started listening to their old crappy songs. Even though Mark Walt Aldridge didn't have really crappy songs at a young, right? You know, he's been he's amazing. And then I just listened to all the progression of all uh, almost 10, 15 years of all the progression and. And that was my college education right there, sitting in that room, listening to dats and CDs yes. and tapes. Yeah. Yeah. So I it was amazing. I used to listen, like, my first publishing deal, I would listen to everybody's catalog. Oh, I you bet. Know? And it's amazing to me the the songwriters that did work in a tape room. Yes. Like Ron Tedder from One Republic. Ashley Gorley. Ashley Gorley. My it, boy. Yeah. His yeah. Na- the name of his publishing's. Tape, tape room. room. Yeah, I know I that also. That. <laughs> so uh, Troy Virgis. I think Dan Hodges was too when he started. Yeah, so um, you came up listening and working and watching these giants. Those guys were the real deal. Amazing. Great, commercial, successful, but also fantastic. Yeah, you people. Know, real great songwriters. So then did you start writing for them or did you write for somebody else? Well, what, what happened was is uh, in the evening when we all shut down, like me, Dirks Bentley, uh, Brian Davis, Keith Anderson, I don't know, we all would go into their little writer rooms like we were the awesome writers, and we would write songs, and eventually I started writing, uh, and I started a song, and believe it or not, Stephen Dale Jones just went to Island Bound, and I said, hey, I got a song I started, I think you and I should finish it, and we were, at the time, I was the only guy they would like come in and just, what's up, bro? Like, I was the cool kid, you know, right. the kid. <laughs> and so uh, he goes, all right, Arliss, I got... 10 minutes, play it for me. And I did. And he goes, I'm, I'm canceling everything. We're writing it today. Oh, wow. And so we finished writing it. And he was going to this little s- small song he wrote called uh, One More Day. Yes. Yeah, so he went to the number one party. And he goes to Diamond Rio. And he just handed him the CD of the song we just wrote. And he goes, here's your next one. And Diamond Rio cut it, and I didn't have a pub company, and so wow. Gary Overton and, and, and um, Bruce Birch. I don't know if you know Bruce Birch. I've heard of him. Yeah. Oh man, he he's my he got me all my stuff there back in the day, and so we went in there and I signed a deal, and and, and I wrote for EMI for she's seven eight years somewhere mm-hmm. like that before switching over to Warner Chapel. So it was it was fun. Yes. So um, now Stephen Dale Jones, another great writer. Uh, I don't know if you were there, Amy. I was at a small party that he played, just like okay. him and an acoustic guitar. It's amazing. Oh, my God. I Dude. mean, I don't know. Other than Skip Ewing could do that, too. Right. But um, just just floored you. you Commands know I mean? the audience. It's like j- watching James Taylor or something. It really it's is. It's like so good. I have seen one more person do that. That'd be Cliff Cody. He could just take a yes. loud yes. ass bar and go, yes. shut up. I got a story <laughs> yeah, to I tell. Yeah, I believe that. And they all just it. go quiet and they're staring at him and they're in awe and that yeah, he com- yeah. It, it's, it's interesting the people that can c- command an audience. It's interesting. So, and uh, well, let's talk uh, we, we, we can really talk about anything you want but I am interested um, the festivals. Yeah, um, yeah, please. Because we, we we played with one with you in St. Augustine. St. Augustine. Yep. Fantastic. Um, and now this one. Is this something you're going to continue, you it think? It is. It is. I hope so. This this has been amazing. Works Entertainment and Boone's Bourbon and, these, and Tyler Boone and all those guys. We just kind of are organizing this. And it's the first year, so we kind of expect a, a slow attendance, a slow this and slow that. But it's not been that. People here in Charleston have just been, this is awesome. Everywhere we go, we're like, oh, my God, we're going to do this next year, right? Oh, my gosh. And then now they're giving me all the list of all the people they want because they figured out. When I started it in St. Augustine, it was an educational thing because when I first started, 
I had these riders up there, and one of the bar owners, he goes, why is that guy singing barbecue stain cover? And I was yeah. like, well, well, no, that's that he wrote it. Oh, man, we got to do this next year. And it just kept going and building and building. And it, it's been amazing. And the people down there and here, the community, just it, it's very, they accept yeah, it. Yeah, I think um, whenever, I, I know we had talked about this. I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. The very first uh, songwriter round I saw was at the Bluebird in Nashville. Yes, me When too. I was visiting Nashville, and it just knocked me out. I me mean, too. Never me too. seen anything like it. Exactly. Um, so I think it's really a great thing you're doing is what I'm Thank trying you. to say. It's really, because I think if you can bring this to other communities, Nashville's spoiled, you know. They have this going every night. Right. A lot of tourists come in and see it, but a lot of local people don't. And But you get in a town where they don't have this sort of thing, and I think people really do love it. And I, I think, think it's just do. a great, and it's great for songwriters too, because, you know, as we, we do our job, and if we'd have wanted, you know, I think probably you would say this, and I know Amy and I would, we didn't really particularly crave being artists and right. that life. It's true. But it's great to be able to play it is. And, and, and sing and, you know, get in front of a crowd. Um, so I think it's a great thing well, you're doing for songwriters. And song that's kind of how it originated because it was like I, I used to manage, tour manage. I started tour managing. You know, I still was writing songs professionally. I went out with Jamie Johnson and tour managed. Then I became the manager of Jamie. And, and lived. That to tell sounds, the tale. That sounds Woo. fun. I love Jamie yeah. Johnson. Oh, man, I love him too. He's, he's, he's one of the great. best people. He is great, isn't he? He's So amazing. you're road managing. I was road managing, and I went out and I managed Jamie, and I learned how to just run things on the road. Right. And so then I went up in levels of tour managing. As I'm still writing for Warner Chapel, I don't even know how I was doing it, and managing Jamie. So then I got a call from, like, Lit and Sugar Ray and these 90s bands, Everclear, and they needed somebody to come oversee a bunch of other bands as we toured. So I went and did that. And so wow. I just started learning how to run things really well. And so as more I got with writers and I'm talking to writers and, you know, there's some older writers that might have had number one songs out the yin yang and they're still beat up in Nashville, even though they're successful. And it, it, I just like, I'm like, wow, man, this is amazing. And then I talked to the young guys who are still young and fresh, but they're beat up because they can't make it yet. And so, and then there's that gap of the ones that are making it and they're clicky and they're doing their things, but they still want to be a part of something. You can be a part of a click and still like feel like you're missing something. And my whole concept of the Writers Festivals was how do we bring this all together where Chris Lindsay can sit in a bar with Cliff Cody and be interviewed and make this bigger and we all can connect at the same level because I believe songwriters' hearts are the same and we all have the same patterns. We all have the same wants. Why not get in conversation at a bar in St. Augustine and talk about it mm-hmm. and make it happen? And just it's an outlet for songwriters to come and and do their thing and around and tell their story because in Nashville, we're in a 12 by 12 room pitching songs to somebody that's in a cubicle that's probably six by six and acting like we know what the world wants when we really don't until we get to somewhere like this and the writer can be at the bar and some fan comes up to that writer and goes, I got married to your song. (laughs) Or when I buried my father, we played your song. Or And a writer does not get that. They they do not get that connection. And when that hits, we get more fans, and the writers call me daily, and they're like, I don't know what I just did, but I want back. I want to come back because I am emotionally... It's like 
going to therapy. You know, man, it's so, it's so well it's so well said. What you I just have to say, amen, because uh. you know what? It's true. You um, we as writers, we sit in our little rooms That's and we true. work and we. But we are. We, it is very easy to get disconnected it from is. who's actually using this thing that we make. Yeah. And it, it is great to get out. And you know, don't you find also that when you go out and play live or go to another town, people are just so much more open and forgiving Absolutely. about this word or that. And Nashville is such a difficult environment. The criticism and the uh, just the whole vibe is just cynical a little bit, and it's just like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's probably a number one. Yeah. That's all you're going to get. <laughs> yes, like, zero. <laughs> okay, yeah, you can keep your deal for two more years. Okay, what else you got? Okay, and I, if you go out with people, so people really do care, and, they're, and they want to hear a song, and they're very adventurous. You, you don't have to, like, follow these rules. Oh, I get text I messages. So great. I get text messages from these writers that are chasing. They, they do the format that's Nashville, but then they'll call me and go, wrote a song by myself because I connected with the fan. That yeah. it, it was amazing. And they'll send it to me and play it, and it's amazing. And I went to a showcase the other day in Nashville, and 30% of the audience had their arms crossed. Yeah. And we're watching, and I go, they're in the music business. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't, I mean, I love Nashville, and I've stayed there 20-plus years. I'm ve- I very much love that town. But honestly, I think it's a known fact for anyone that's touring yeah. that that's a rough town to play. Yeah, people, you know, they know. Go- I'm remember, talking about. Um, I'm talking about big acts like yeah. Coldplay. Remember though, you know, Jackson Brown didn't want to play. Jackson Nashville. Brown didn't want to play. And I was like, "What? Everybody here loves you." Yeah. And, and he just didn't like playing. Well, Nashville. Nashville's changed in that. The fan base in Nashville is amazing now. Yeah, like, yeah. The, they this, maybe want this the was music. back in the day. This it was is, back in the day when we started. Back. Yeah, you're, you're playing for fifteen thousand people, and three quarters of them play the sh- hell out of guitar. You know, so that's, yeah. you know. No, three quarters of them were like, uh, hey, can I get on your guest list? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the other thing. Yeah. Well, you if know, you see an artist outside of Nashville, it's a different. Different. Totally different. different. That's way why different. a lot of the writers go on the bus now and write. Yep. They have to because it, they, you're putting that artist in that unfamiliar situation where he's either he's forced to write with that writer that came out with him or go drink. And so now, it's usually right. <laughs> did you, so since you're road managing, I'm sure you did a lot of bus writing. Were you successful in that? I always found that really difficult. It's hard because the artists are pulled in every direction. Yeah. Interview this, 10 o'clock radio. Yeah, you got 20 minutes to write. Go. So, so we'll, the, we'll talk co- uh, concepts and, and like we'll throw titles around. And now they have track guys come out. And so, I mean, you could have a track made and then I'll start some lyrics and then the artist will come in and we'll, we could finish the song. That, that probably works better. In the old it days, works a lot better. you're sitting on there with an acoustic guitar. The bus is like... Yeah. You can barely hear exactly. your guitar. Exactly. They're being pulled in and out, and it's just—it's kind of. One of my favorite stories: you were on the road writing with these sisters, and and oh, yeah. I called you, and I was like, "How's it going?" And you were like, "Well, it's kind of like hell with windows." <laughs> <laughs> the bus. Oh my gosh! <laughs> the only way I'd ever seen it done riding on a bus with an artist is just to be honest. Back in the day, guys would go out with a song. Half made, th- three quarters. That's right. Like it works the they best. D- yeah, they'd have it. They'd have it in the bag. That's right. And they'd go out and let the artist come in and, and kind of write a second verse. That's you know, right. Or fix stuff. Or no, I'm sure there have been hits written on the road. And I know a lot of guys that that's a big part of their career. Yeah. My hat's off to them. I could. 
I was it was tough for me. It's I tough. Never Brian Davis makes a great career out of it. Brian Davis, yeah, yeah, because he's with Brantley. I bet Brantley, he and Brantley, Lee Bryce and, and Tyler Lee Bryce. Fall so he's out there guys. opening up and probably doing all kinds of awesomeness. Plus, yeah. he's there all the time. So they may be writing at three in the morning when it actually yeah. does calm down a little bit. That's when they write. As soon as they get off the stage yeah. and the bus is yeah. starting and they're about to leave, they start yeah. writing. I, if I had to do it, I would try to do it in the middle of the night. You just got to sleep all day like the, right, band, exactly. like the band guys. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you ever want to see an awesome job be a band guy in one of the big big artist things? Oh, man, I slept till I, I skipped lunch, man. I got to get lunch. Where can I get lunch? It's like, it's 3 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird life. In my 20s, I did a lot of touring as a bass player. Okay. And uh, every, I mean, most days we would wake up at 3 p.m. Yeah. Because we slept on the bus because we were rolling on the bus. We'd sleep till 3 p.m., wake up hung over. <laughs> Sound checks at four. You just roll out of your bunk and go to sound check. I think that's where all the fans are today because, like, I was texting them and I was like, "Hey, what's yeah, up?" Yeah, I thought up? so too. And I thought so and too. And they're like, uh, "Bro, uh, can't make it." One of them was yeah. like, "I'm literally holding my wife's hair back as yeah. she's puking." Well, and the, I noticed when we start. When I, if you notice when we started, I thanked every one of them for coming out because yes. I'm sure they're. Every one of y'all are a little bit hungover. So later on in today, we'll, they'll start getting their drinks yeah. in them and coming out. Yeah. So. Well, do you want? Uh, are you going to play us a song? I had. Would you like to? I mean, it. I don't want to put you on the spot. No spot. I mean, I could play something. I guess. I'm going to put a story on this one. So I had a demo session. You know how it always is. And I'm not going to do any other. This is one of my favorite songs, so I want to do this one. But I'm. Uh, I had one spot. You know, you want to have five when you go to your demos with the full band because you're, if not, all your demos cost more. So the more yeah. songs you can get out there on one session. Well, and the publishers really push for yeah. five. Yeah, oh, God. They don't it like is, it. If, it is oh so stressful trying is to get so five uh, songs in crazy. that little window of time, and they're always technical problems. Oh, and always. It's, it's just like an anxiety. Yeah, attack. 30 minutes in, and you're finally starting. You're like, oh, sh nah, I'm not yeah. going to make it. Yeah. But um, we wrote this one about. Midnight, so I could have one because I was running low. Me and Casey, uh, we started doing this and uh, I, we did the demo, and then it got cut by Julie Roberts, which was awesome. And I was like, oh, cool, that song's kind of probably seen the day and it's not going to go away. Then another kid cut it, and then another guy. And then all of a sudden, I go to a meeting, I'm managing Jamie at the time, and I get in the elevator, and there's this artist. Okay, man, we're buddies, and we're like, "What's up, buddy?" And we're hugged each other, and we're going up the elevator. And he goes, "Man, I cut this song," and I go, "Oh, oh, it's great, great," because he cuts songs all the time. But then he started singing it, and I'm like, "That's my song." He goes, "Yeah, I know. I'm coming to see if Jamie will let me cut it." And I'm going, "That's my song." And he goes, "You didn't, J Jamie didn't write it." I go, "No, Jamie sang the demo on it, but he didn't write it." Oh. And he goes. I cut it and I go, yeah, and he goes, good, because I already did. And it was Luke Bryan. And it, was, it, was, it's such a, it was such a great experience because he's such a good guy. But I'll try to do it. My wife goes, who the heck's that song about? I said, it's a lie. It's all lies. <laughs> Let's see if I can get this. Yeah, we met down at the floating dock. Snuck out scared, didn't want to get caught. We were nervous, but it was worth it. There was no such thing as consequence. With her in my arms, it finally made sense in that moonlight. I saw her tan 
Every time my feet are dangling in the water, I can't help but think about her lying there with her wet hair. Didn't know what we were doing, but we didn't care. And that old wooden dock was warm on our backs. T-shirt for a pillow, and just like that, man, she kissed me like she meant forever. But we were too damn young to know any better. By the way, Cliff, this is tuned down. <laughs> fog rolled in she said I better go she took my t-shirt and wore it home a memory a souvenir that she could keep and I stayed and watched that sunrise like it was waking up my life to what love was I could still see us every time my feet are dangling in the water I can't help but think about her lying there with her wet hair. Didn't know what we were doing, but we didn't care. And that old wooden dock was warm on our backs. T-shirt for a pillow and just like that, she kissed me like she meant forever. But we were too damn young to know any better. How about a bass solo? <laughs> Every time my feet are dangling in the water, I can't help but think about her lying there with her wet hair. Didn't know what we were doing, but we didn't care. The whole wooden dock was warm on our backs. T-shirt for a pillow, and just like that, man, she kissed me like she meant forever. But we were too damn young to know any better. Awesome. I Great love job. Song. Love that song. Thank you. Lost my voice talking to 500 people this week. <laughs> Arliss, thank you so much, thank man. Thank you for having really, me. Really, really. This was awesome. You. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. We got one more rider for you. Andy Albert right here from Nashville now. I don't know. Where are you from originally, Andy? Uh, I'm from uh, north side of Atlanta, a town up there called Roswell. Roswell. I know where that is. So I'm looking at your credits here. In just the last year and a half, you've had Dustin Lynch cut, Carrie Underwood, Michael Hardy. Uh, that guy's a crazy great writer, too. Oh, yeah, isn't he? Devin Dawson, Dark Horse. That's a great song. Oh, thank you, man. Um, Walker McGuire, Hunter Hayes, Dan and Shay, Mitchell Tenpenny, John King, Chris Bandy, Matt Lang, Steve Mokler. It just goes, look at it, it goes on and on. <laughs> this kid's been tearing it up this last year and a half. We met. Um, we were trying to remember, maybe five years ago when yes. you were just starting. Sounds about right. We wrote a song. I don't remember the title, but I remember it being really good, and I remember thinking you were really good. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. That was a long time ago. You were one of the first guys that took a chance on me. Uh, you got to get on the boat early, man. Amen to that. I've got a few people in town that I really trust, and if they tell me, hey, I got a new kid and he's really great, I'm in. You know, once a rider gets going and starts to get some big cuts and get a lot of attention, um, for an established writer, 
you you might have trouble approaching them later because it might look a little disingenuous, right? Absolutely. And uh, so I think it's important to find younger riders when they start and, and, and get involved and see if it's a match. You know, sometimes it isn't. Absolutely. As, and I'm sure you found – here's my first question for you. Um, when Amy and I started, we kind of found a little group of people that were like-minded and we felt like we could write and make magic together. Yep. And we kind of came up together, and that's how we had our success. Did you have a similar experience? Or do you have a little group? It's looking at your cuts, I can kind of see that there, you have a lot of newer artists. And is that is that the case with you? Oh yeah, that's definitely been the case for me. Um, coming to town, the first the first few people I I really hit it off with writing and um, everything else. Uh, we've kept up those relationships and built them up over the years. And a couple of those guys, like Devin Dawson and Mitchell Tempenny, have gotten record deals since then. Right. And, um, you know, we, Devin and I and Mitchell as well, we used to write a couple days a week for two, three years before, right. before they signed their deal. So, you know, we, we already had a big catalog of songs together. Yeah. And I mean, even besides them, um, I've got a whole group of friends who write and produce full time. We're all kind of fighting the good fight together. And well, that's the thing. Do, do exactly. we had a feeling of us against the world kind yeah. of, and oh, yeah. I think that's really great. I think that's where a lot of great writing comes from and a lot of new new movements totally. for this genre come from that feeling of you're not really included in the party yep. and so you guys kind of have to get together and uh and, and do do your own thing and the the, the struggle is really good 100 percent, man i mean like you said there's there's all these groups of established writers coming in as a new writer to town um and they already ha they already have their teams and their family that they write with you know yeah. and rather than trying to to start at the bottom of their mountain and like work your way in, I think it's I think it's important as a new writer to build your own mountain and your own sound and your own group and and create create something that's undeniable that people are coming to you guys for. And and it's most likely going to be something that will become prevalent in the genre. Also, so what you guys build with Mitchell and yep. with Devin, those are the guys that are shaping the new sound of country music so you're involved totally. in that and as it blossoms you know you'll be a big part of it so i think it's really great amy question do you still write with like new people or do you stick with your little team oh i, I write with new people all the it's, time it's interesting too like when you write with new do you, so when you're gonna write with somebody new do you kind of pick them out or do you like let somebody set it up and just how does that work? Um, well, I, you know, I trust my publishers. They know they know me and my strengths and um, what kind of stuff I like and what I look for in new, a new songwriter. But at the same time, I, I'm always having them send me music of things they're excited about, people they're meeting with, whether they're signing with my publishing company or whether I'm hearing hearing about them through a friend or another writer. Um, like, you know, like y'all said, it's, it's always important to, to get in early with a new, new group of people and you never know who you're going to totally hit it off with and yeah, go, go on a tear Yeah, it's funny that with. way. Totally. I love, um, Devin. I thought I, I we thought we discovered Devin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on YouTube with that girl. And she was at our studio doing something and they were, they, the engineer played that for me, that mashup. Yeah. And I was like. Yeah, she's great, but who's this guy, you know? <laughs> and then we got to meet him. But you wrote with him. We wrote I, lo with him. I love Devin. Yeah, I, just I love, love Devin, he's too. He's so great. I mean, like, I just like hanging out with Devin. <laughs> Me, too. He's, yeah. he's, he's just a great, inspiring, positive guy. And his voice is so different. Yeah. 
he's doing his own thing, so right. he's like not just copycat. You know, that's what I love about Devin. He's gonna follow his artistic, you know, totally. muse. He's he's got a lot of integrity to everything he does, and um, a lot of artistry he puts into every every single facet from the song creation up through the recording and everything else. And yeah, I I agree with y'all. I think he's gonna be here to stay for a while. Here's I got one more question. Yeah, go, go. Um, is, like, do you have some of your songs that are like your favorites that haven't been recorded? Do you have like a favorite that hasn't been recorded or are most of your favorite ones re- get cut? Oh, I mean, y- I'm sure y'all know. We we die with our best songs. So. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. I've got like a little handful. There. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, you know, I've, g- I've got a whole bunch I personally love. If I were putting out a record, I would, you know, look to if, you know, if that came to that, but... You know, uh, I also have some of my favorites that have been put out or being worked right now too. So it's 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 kind of great. We get a little bit of both. Well, and it's all it's 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 more based on need too. I mean, you can have a you know you can pitch an artist a song, and the artist can go, "Man, I love that. That's one of my favorite things I've heard all year." Yep. Um, I don't have that slot open. I need one of these. Yep. You know, and so it sometimes it just comes down to what the artist needs, or maybe they wrote that type of song already totally um but then eventually the great ones find find a home because they get champions they do there are people along the way that hear that song and keep it and when they when they see the slot for it they'll push it in you know and and i i truly believe great songs do get cut they do i really do um i want to ask you this question because i consider you be to be right smack in the middle of what's going on right now in country music where do you think country music is going in the next year, next two years? Everyone, we kind of went through the bro country movement. Yep. I suppose that's over now, or or I, it seems like it's starting to be. I hear a lot of talk with younger writers talking about loving 90s country music. Um, where do you see it going? If, if, it's, if you're able to say, or what, what do you see you know, parts of it going? Uh, I agree. I think right now there's a little bit of a comeback in the whole 90s sound and, and a lot of those elements people are starting to feel nostalgia for and incorporate back into the making of their records. Um, I think I think streaming's playing a big role in the future of country music. There's a yes. lot of cross-pollination from genres, a little bit of hip-hop here and there we see with Old Town Road like coming in. And I love it. I, I, I love it too. Totally guilty like over here, but... Um, I, you know, I don't know if that's going to be a wave or that's kind of a one-off thing. I think, I think we'll see depending on what comes next in that kind of corner of the market. I, I also think there's going to be a big move for a lot more integrity-driven stuff. Um, I think artists like Casey Musgraves are leading the way for that. Um, Brittany Carlisle is coming in and starting to make more of a, a put her foot down in, in country proper as opposed to the Americana where she's been for a while. And other artists are going to be inspired by that and follow that. And um, as opposed to, you know, the bro country where it was fun, party, like, you know, a lot of a lot of the same topics and same ground covered again and again. Like, I think people are, are ready to hear something new and something fresh and, and a, a fresh take on the same old thing. So... I think people are trying really hard right now, at least in the writing community, to to be extra creative and like and like find get to the heart of the matter of things. Um, now, on the uh, on the idea of nostalgic for '90s country, what are the elements from '90s country that you think will come back into fashion? Is it the style, of the song, or is it production, or both? I or? think it's going to be a little bit of all of the above. 
Mm-hmm. Um, stylistically, there have been certain songs that are already starting to to you know tip their hat to it. I think that that Riley Green song that just went number one a couple weeks ago does that for me. Um, yeah, stylistically, thematically, like kind of just all of the great parts that we still think about and and listen to in '90s country music. I think uh, people are starting to to bring back up a little bit more than they have been in the past, for the past ten years. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think something you said is really smart. The streaming, um, as you know, country music tend to lag behind pop as far as the technology. Totally. Um, although now I think everyone, rural, even rural, the most remote rural areas now have high speed internet, you know, which, so as country becomes a streaming format, which it is yeah. already, but, it, you know, it is. Um, I think that will drive more of the Casey Musgrave model, which is because I think in the streaming world, people are, are, able to pick whatever they want. There's not as much, you don't see as much of a big marketing hand from corporations that you used to see in the way the, the, the music business worked. Yeah. And I think that's another reason why we're going to get some great music out of the streaming paradigm. Absolutely. There's a lot of worry in the music business for several years back that, you know, the streaming thing was going to be really bad. And I, I think it's going to be great because it's going to drive us into artist writers who are, who are different and unique, and yeah, we should play a song. So uh, what, what will you uh, play for us today? Uh, I'm going to play a song I wrote last February uh, with Justin Ebach and Dustin Lynch, and uh, this January became my first number one song. Woo! So, Congratulations. It's called Good Girl. I got it good, girl, because I got myself a good Girl, you up and took my whole world and made it so good, girl, yeah. You're an angel, your keeper, kind of thing that you gotta lock down. And I'm loving, just living. Every minute since you came around, yeah, I was lost in the neon lights till the day that you called me yours, I was. And they say when you know, you know, and I know one thing's for sure, yeah. I got it good, girl, cause I got myself a good girl. I still can't believe I found you. I can't imagine life without you, yeah. I could take you on the mama, take you to the church right down the street. Yeah, you up and took my whole world and made it so Good girl, oh so good, baby. Yeah. You know sometimes I dream about 55 years from now. It's gonna still be just you and me watching that sun going down. I'll still be stealing your kisses. I'll still be holding your hand. I still look at you and I'll pinch myself. Good Lord, I'm a lucky man, yeah. I got it good, girl, cause I got myself a good girl. I still can't believe I found you. I can't imagine life without you, yeah. I could take you home to mama, take you to the church right down the street. Yeah, you up and took my whole world. 
good girl Oh, you made it so good I was lost in the neon lights till the day that you called me yours. And they say when you know, you know, and I know one thing's for sure. I got it good, girl, cause I got myself a good girl. I still can't believe I found you. I can't imagine life without you, yeah. I could take you on the mama, take you to the church right down the street. Yeah, you up and took my whole world and made it so good, girl. Oh, so good, baby. Yeah. I got it good, girl, because I got myself a good, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Albert, that was, that was so good. amazing. I get that song so stuck in my head. Oh, it's it. going to be I in my head it. all day. That song, Back to December by Taylor Swift and Help, um, We Found Love in a Hopeless Place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those three get hey, so I'll take stuck it. in my head. I'm happy to That's be in a that magic. Company. That's a magic little thing to be able to do. So, I, I'm as fascinated with that as I am anything about songwriting to make a song where you can you can get it imprinted in somebody's head after they could have heard it once or twice. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And then it's just stuck in there. And if it comes on the radio, you're done. I mean, you're just gonna be it's gonna be in your head for days. That's the best part about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, man. And thank you for being on Pitch List today. We really appreciate you getting up and coming down here. Hey, I thank you all for having me. And congratulations on all your success, thank man. You, buddy. Really fantastic. Yeah. Yes, Woo! Andy Albert. All right. Do we have time? Uh, if you guys want to hear, yeah, Chris we're gonna let Amy. Amy play Amy's song. gonna sing one. Oh. Amy's gonna sing. You one. guys want to hear a song? Yes. Oh yeah. I, okay. I, okay. Which one should I do? I, don't, I know two. <laughs> Whichever <laughs> should, one you want to do. I don't, I'll never be able to decide. So you pick. Let's do uh, who you'd be today. This song, um, Kenny Chesney cut, and it's a super personal song. Like it's about my friend that I knew growing up, and we both used to dream of moving to Nashville together. And he was, he was actually in my boyfriend's band in high school, and so before he could ever get to Nashville, he died young at 22, and so he never made it. And then. One, one day we were writing with Chris Stapleton, and this was way before Chris ever had anything going. Like, he was kind of just this badass singer that everybody knew about, but he hadn't really, nobody else, the world didn't know who he was. And um, so he came over one night, and when I looked at him, I just almost burst into tears because he looked like my friend Jerry if Jerry had lived, you know, to be his age. So that's where the idea came from. And then I wrote it with one of my best friends, Bill Luther. Good. Yeah. Sunny days seem to hurt the most. I wear the pain like a heavy coat. I feel you. smile, I see your face, I hear you laugh. 
tore the pages all away And God knows how I miss you And all the hell that I've been through Just knowing no one could take your place Sometimes I wonder Would you see the world? Would you chase your dreams? Settle down with a family? I wonder what would you name your baby? And some days the sky's so blue I feel like I can talk to you And I know it might Sunny days seem to hurt the most I wear the pain like a heavy coat The only thing that gives me hope Is I know I'll see you again someday Amy Mayo on Pitch List. Give it up, you guys. Give it up for Chris Lindsay, Amy hey, Mayo. Thank you. thank you guys all for coming out today. Thank you to the writers who are on this show. And uh, enjoy the rest of the festival. We'll see you out tonight somewhere. And thank you very much, all of y'all, for coming. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. I'd also like to thank all of you listening for all of your emails, tweets, and messages. Please let us know what you like about the show or how we could make it better. Head over to our Facebook page, Pitchlist Podcast, or go to pitchlistpodcast.com. Thanks again, and if you want, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word. See you next time on Pitchlist.